This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kego Lasso. It's the Europa League preview so many matches across europe premier league teams arsenal tottenham leicester city we also have ac milan against celtic and spanish sides against dutch sides as well real sociedad granada Villarreal. such a loaded schedule but such a great tournament we have james bench and jimmy conrad talking all about it so here we go Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's our Europa League preview. And we have, of course, the legend James Benj. Jim, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm getting psyched for the real exciting European competition. The Hankook. We love it. We love the second tier competition. So many weird places we've never heard of that we get to follow for the next few weeks. That's exactly right. That's why I love the Europa League, because, you know, there are so many intricacies in terms of uh, fixtures and where people and teams have to travel. It's just so much more complex. And I love it. I love to discover all this uh, talent that we may not find in Europe. Let's begin because we're here. uh, We're going to talk about Premier League teams in Europa League. And obviously, let's begin with your arsenal uh, as they face Rapid Wien. on Thursday, uh, give us the lowdown first on on, on a very uh, new. Well, it's not a new topic, really. It's just been a snowball that's been building. But Mesut Ozil, um, give us the latest on everything that's been going on with him. Uh, obviously, from him being not in the squad and his sentiments uh, via social media. Yeah, I mean, Mesut Ozil and Arsenal. We love the Europa League because we get to talk about these topics we never talk about otherwise, like Mesut Ozil and Arsenal. But this has reached something of a head, as you say, it's been bubbling away for years, pretty much since he signed his £350,000 a week contract in January 2018. By the end of that season, there were people in Arsenal who were already telling me, we might have got this wrong here, we might have got this badly wrong. And basically a year after signing his contract, Mesut Ozil knew that Arsenal wanted to sell him, wanted to get rid of him. And uh, their stance has become ever more intractable, such that now with Mikel Arteta, a head coach who feels empowered to do what he thinks is right, uh, he has ditched Mesut Ozil from both the Premier League and Europa League squad. So there will be no Ozil in either competition until January at the earliest, but he's almost certainly played his last game for Arsenal. Seemed like it was going to peter out, but today Ozil issued a statement where he said he felt that there was no loyalty from Arsenal. He said he continued to train at 100%. I mean, I think a few people at Arsenal would, would question whether he's been training hard enough and would point to that as the reason he's not in the squad in the first place. But obviously, Ozil is a hugely significant figure in world football, even when he's not playing. One of the most followed footballers on Instagram, on social media, um, a major name, a big earner, and... The topic's not going away as we talk. I'm waiting for Mikel Arteta's press conference, and it's only going to be talking about that. We're not talking about Rapid Vienna at all. 
Yeah, so as we're talking, uh, we are waiting for that uh, Arteta presser, uh, but James will give us a little update if something major comes out of it. Uh, but, you know, the facts remain. Ozo is not in the Arsenal squad. His days, I would believe, uh, you know, are numbered with, with the Gunners. At some point, you would have to, to imagine... Uh, one quick thing on Ozil before we actually talk about the preview for us on in Europa League. It's it's interesting because when you read social media and you read comments and you read the news and reports and stuff, it's fifty percent it, almost seems you know we're behind you, Mesut, and the other fifty are saying, you know, well, you haven't done enough to be honest to prove your worth to Arteta's side. I, nobody would think that Arteta is one of these, you know. Uh, quick gunshot fire uh, managers that just thinks based on emotion he really wants to see a plan go through and if Ozil's not part of it he's not part of it so you know wh where do you stand on that side ultimately I don't believe Mesut Ozil is the player he once was but he remains a player that you've got to build a team around if you want Mesut Ozil in your team you almost have to play 4-2-3-1 or some version of that maybe a 5-2-1-2 a, a Something like that. You have to build your team around him to get the best out of him. Well, Arteta tried that. Arteta tried that last season um, for a run of games. And actually, if you look at every metric from expected goals, shots created, key passes, Arsenal's creativity goes down with Mesut Ozil because the game just flows through him. He's not the force he once was. Andy Carroll had more assists than him in the Premier League last season. It's really hard to say that because Mesut Ozil was a brilliant player, one of the the best in the world for several years, but he's not anymore. And Arteta sees that. And he sees a player that's not always the most committed in training. Arteta said that. Edu has said that. And he thinks, well, actually, why would he be in my plans? We don't want to give him a new contract. He's not staying beyond the end of the season. It's time to prepare for life without Ozil. And that means some, some games where Arsenal look a bit light on the creativity front. But the peak of Ozil has gone. We've got to accept that. And then what, what, what's the point of, of kind of proceeding with this awkward marriage when, when you have to change your whole team to get the best out of him? I don't know about you, but I, I just kind of think now, ideally, we'd stop talking about it, but that's easier said than done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and let's focus on the fact that we really should be talking more about players like uh, Saka, right? One of the most aggressively direct players in Europa League last season. You know, so let's talk about Arsenal in the Europa League and Arteta's team and the future, because the future is now. There's still so many talented players from Arsenal's perspective. They're playing Rapid Wien on Thursday, who are, you know, doing pretty well right now in Austria, second in the table. They just won 5-1 in the Austrian Cup. Uh, this past weekend, they beat Lask, uh, you know, 3 nothing before that. Um, you know, it, it's actually their first meeting in this new format. It, it's been a while, right? And the last time they actually played uh, against English competition, you know, in Europa League or, or whatever you want to call it was against Villa a, a while back. So they do have experience continentally, but it's been a while in terms of facing an English side. How do you see this one? It must have been a while if it was Villa they were playing last. What's that, like the 1930s? <laughs> 2011, James, all right, 2011. And they uh, did I'm beat just... Villa. They did beat Villa. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just really excited. As you say, it's the young players. Last season, this was Saka's breakout party, the first game of the Europa League stage against Eintracht Frankfurt. He, um, I think he scored one. He certainly provided an assist, played brilliantly with Aubameyang. And I remember talking to him after the game, and I was like, who is this guy? Because he's... For those of you that don't know, he's a top achiever at school. He's incredibly confident and composed on and off the pitch. 
I'm looking forward to the next generation of them. We've seen a lot of Reese Nelson in an Arsenal shirt. We haven't seen him flash into life. Eddie and Ketia, we're seeing more and more of great poaching striker. Joe Willock as well. These guys will get chances. A couple of younger players that the listeners may not be as familiar with. Emil Smith-Rowe, back to fitness, great number 10, who could be the long-term successor as a, as a creator. Um, and Thomas Partey, I've heard of him. He's on the plane for, uh, for tomorrow's game. I think he might feature in some capacity as well. So there's so many new players to get excited about. Hopefully this is the one time this season we have to talk about Ozil on the pod. And instead we can watch these brilliant top young players in action. Um, there's a lot to like at Arsenal at the moment in terms of those youngsters. Yeah, and they have to be careful as well, I guess, with the squad because they have Leicester City on Sunday and they want to make sure that they come back from that one nothing uh, loss to Manchester City. Let's stay in North London, uh, but let's go to Arsenal's uh, bitter rival, Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham also in the Europa League and they, you know, Jose Mourinho, I think that, you know, as opposed and contrary to what Arteta will do with the squad uh, in the Europa League, at least at the very beginning, I'm thinking that Tottenham, uh, James, is going to probably go out with a stronger lineup uh, just to get that victory. They faced Lask, um, who made the knockout stages last time uh, around. And, you know, we might see Carlos Vinicius, I think, maybe, but I don't know if mm. he can start. Maybe Harry Kane will, will, will go ahead just because Jose Mourinho wants that win. Maybe Bale gets a few more minutes. He looked a little bit exhausted after, like, just doing one sprint uh, against West Ham. But how do you see Tottenham in, in this competition? You know, it's been a while since Spurs have won anything, um, especially mm. in Europe. Like, so h- how are we looking here? It's a really interesting one because obviously, unlike the other English teams, they've already played quite a few games and it seemed to suit them quite a bit. I think we've always looked at the Europa League in England as this sort of pain. I I mean, I've spoken to people at at these clubs who go, we hate it. We hate the Thursday, Sunday grind. But I think for Spurs, it's been really useful because they've had this deep squad with a lot of senior players and they really want to give them game time. So players like Vinicius... But also Harry Kane's been able to work himself into fitness. My God, this guy looks good. Him and, and Son right now, it, it's devastating. The challenge Mourinho has is Kane will want to play every game. And when he's playing like he is today or at the moment, why would you stop him? I, I've loved this sort of development into a number 10. The only one that, that, that I know for sure is playing is Davinson Sanchez. Uh, Mourinho confirmed that in his press conference. Possibility of Bale as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so some really strong, strong names in this team. And, Spurs' season has been a bit weird. It's been the highs have been brilliant, and as as bizarre as the second half against West Ham was, that first half was some exceptional football. Um, I think getting a win on the board will help a lot. But I like the look of this Tottenham team going deep into the Europa League. Um, there's so much versatility. Yeah, Gareth Bale needs maybe another couple of substitutes appearances. I, I'm with you that I, I just thought he looked way off the pace just look like a, a player that hasn't really played top level football in a long while which is the case yeah I, so, I, I, go ahead, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Go on. I, I mean i just just gonna say i think actually this is a, a, a competition that suits tottenham a lot it suits Mourinho, and we saw as much as man united his time there frittered away a little bit post europa league that gave a huge boost to spurs in terms of momentum this is a really good team um, and it's a team I'm sure Mourinho is a manager that respects this competition an awful lot and values it. Yep. I mean, that was what I was going to say. I think this is a Mourinho uh, 
kind of tournament. And listen, it is going to have to be for Tottenham fans. They haven't won the, you know, back then the UEFA Cup since 83, 84. It's been a long time. I feel like Tottenham fans just want something. They just want a piece of silverware yeah. somewhere. And this could be, you know, a good chance for them to go far in the tournament. Let's go with Leicester City, who in, in my opinion, could go far. Now, obviously, uh, I haven't exactly been so great with my predictions, but you never know. And I think that Brandon Rogers uh, has a team here that is uh, not just good in the Premier League, but can cause a few concerns against opponents in Europe. Uh, of course, Jamie Vardy is out for this game. Uh, so that could be an issue. Not to say that Eniacho is not a player. He can play and most certainly lead the line. He's a different kind of player. Instead of trying to be in the box and be a poacher, he comes back deep and he likes to support his lineup. But Islam Slimani also is ineligible for this team so as well. So Brendan Rodgers has a few things, you know, to look ahead against uh, Luhansk. And, you know, th this club is, is, is heading into their seventh consecutive uh, UEFA uh, appearance in the tournament. Uh, they were knocked out in the qualification playoff stage during the last two seasons, losing 5-3 on aggregate to Spanish sides Espanol uh, last season. But they faced Manchester United, mm -hmm. Bilbao, Feyenoord. Uh, but Leicester City is Leicester City, uh, and, and they're a very well-managed team tactically. Uh, how do you see uh, this side in the Europa League? Well, just a quick word on the Hans. They're always one of those teams that they go, obviously with the exception of last year, but they always seem to be there or thereabouts quite often get through the group stages and cause someone a real tough tie, you know, in the round of 32, round of 16. So I certainly wouldn't be taking them for granted. And it's a, a tough place to go for Leicester, albeit it will be a lot tougher in a couple of weeks' time. Um, I think challenge with Leicester, I really like them if they get deep. But where does the priority lie? Particularly if it seems like once more this season is opening up for a Leicester or an Everton in the Premier League to really battle for the top four. And equally, it's not just Jamie Vardy that they're without. Soyuncu, we're now looking at months without Soyuncu, who was their best defender last season. I think he got in the PFA team of the year last season. That's how good he was. And Ricardo Pereira, who is, uh, again, one of those players that ranks among the best in the league in his position as a right back, he's probably missing all the group stage. He said he'd be out for six weeks. So that takes you to maybe the fifth or sixth game of the, of the competition before he's available. Vardy should be a bit more short term. They think he might even be ready for Arsenal on, on Sunday. But that's, you know, that's three massive weapons that, that, that we've seen Leicester. And they're always a team that seem to, their first 11 is great. And there are some great depth options. I like players like Iosi Perez coming off the bench. I thought they really strengthened their, their right wing. And Castagna is a great alternative to, to Ricardo. But, you know, without that first 11, they just feel like slightly less of a, a team trade-off is you'd think they'd get through the group and actually what really matters is do they have that first 11 available when it comes to the round of 32 16 quarterfinals then they can make some noise and the king power stadium if there's fans back it's a horrible place to go for a visiting team great atmosphere and a great team that that can build such momentum and i like brendan rogers as a manager as well i think he's fantastic i know he gets a bad rep uh, for some of his comments, but really tactically astute coach. So yeah, three really good English teams in the Europa League and three teams that if they want to, can go far and looking at the Premier League, it might be their best chance of a, a Champions League qualification as well. Well, there you have it, the three English Premier League teams in Europa. Uh, James, is there anything else uh, from this uh, 
you know, day that you might think and say, oh, that's an, I mean, AC Milan Celtic is a great one as well. Um, any other teams that you're looking at going, you know what, watch out for them? Well, AC Milan Celtic is the, the one I, I would I would pick up on because this Celtic team, it's always so difficult to judge them before we see them regularly in European football. But there's some real good players there um, and European football matters so much. The fact that the SPL title race might be a bit closer over this coming season, certainly Rangers are more of a, a threat every year. That maybe means that they take their eye off the ball in Europe. But when Celtic play the big teams like AC Milan, I remember against Barcelona, however many years ago that was now, but those are the games where Celtic raise their level. And it's, it's one of those games with what Mourinho would call European heritage. <laughs> um, I'm really looking forward to that one. That's going to be a, a quality game. Um, even if actually AC Milan looks so good, they might win it quite comfortably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, but they're no strangers to each other. They faced each other 10 times already in the competition. But, you know, with the Italian side being a little bit more victorious and obviously AC Milan from what they just did against Inter Milan, you would fancy them. But um, it should be a cracking game. We might hear more from James Bench later, depending on what Mikel Arteta says in his press conference. But if not, James, always a pleasure, my friend, and we'll see you soon. See you soon. 24 matches. It's the March Madness of soccer. The Europa League is back, baby. And we've just talked to James Bench on the Premier League teams, but I have to have always, every day, my brother Jimmy Conrad, because him and I agree on this one. The Europa League is just a crazy animal. So many doors to open. We believe, actually, it's tougher to win it than the Champions League for so many reasons. Jimmy, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. It's great to see your face as always. Always, always. And we love the Europa League. It's crazy, though. So many games. So listeners, viewers on Kegolasso Pod, listen, it's a lot to cover. All right. So we're going to give you everything that we can. But please bear witness. This ain't no joke, this tournament. All right. So, Jimmy, let's start. We've just talked Premier League uh, with Ben. So I guess we'll stick a little bit there just from a betting angle. Is there anything that you see from Arsenal, Tottenham, uh, Leicester City? Yeah, I think this is a good opportunity for Arsenal in particular to maybe play some younger players, give them a run out. I guess I was surprised, but also not surprised that Mesut Ozil wasn't even in the Europa League squad. Uh, you guys can read into that as you will. I bet you he's going to be gone here in the, in the transfer window, or at least the next one. Or maybe that's the hope for everybody, including Mikel Arteta, the manager. But I like uh, Inketia to score any time at plus 125. I think he's going to get a full game. I think he's ready to kind of take some ownership. He's doing it with the youth national teams for England. It's clear that he can score. And I think against an opponent like they have uh, this time around um, in rapid Vienna, I think, I think he's going to get some opportunities. I also like Arsenal to win and over two and a half goals at plus plus one twenty three. I think that's some pretty decent value. Again, I'm trying to jump in there and find you guys some tasty bets. Of course, you're going to go with your heart. Uh, I'm going to give you something, some things to consider over at William Hill, just to give you guys uh, some good stuff there. Also with Lester, they're missing a lot of guys, in particular, Jamie Vardy. When Jamie Vardy's not in, it's harder for them to score, which isn't a big surprise. I actually like the under. I hate betting the under, Luis, but under two and a half. I could see a 1-0, 2-0 win for Leicester here. That's plus 100. And then James Madison. I really feel like he's going to have to step up and do a little bit more with Jamie Vardy out. I like him scoring anytime at plus 200. You know, whether he's maybe taking a penalty, maybe he's taking a free kick, uh, maybe just pushing a little bit up higher up the field to support Ilianacho. Uh, I really like him being involved a little bit. Then with Spurs, 
they're very similar to Chelsea in the way that they just gave up a bunch of goals, obviously, to West Ham. Jose Mourinho, you know this. He's even more of a stickler for defend for defending than, than Frank Lampard. And Lampard went super defensive against Sevilla and got that clean sheet but didn't score any goals. I expect the same exact thing for Spurs. So you can get a clean sheet of plus 102. And then I really like Gareth Bale to score anytime at plus 100. And then Deli Ali to score anytime at plus 130. I think both of those guys have something to prove. Deli Ali probably a little bit more than Gareth Bale, who's still rounding into form. But why not throw a flyer on those guys? That's pretty good value for both of those. So those are the ones that I saw that really jumped out at me from a Premier League perspective. I love it. All right. So Benji and I talked a little bit about also the big, really the big uh, matchup from a, you know, continental perspective, Premier League aside, Celtic against AC Milan. AC Milan just won the Milan Derby. Uh, Celtic lost the old firm uh, Derby. There's uh, a lot of contention. There was like rumors about, you know, the, the lineup being leaked out. So Neil Lennon needed to have like a trial inside the dressing room. Uh, but Pioli from Milan side might not change anything. Anything here uh, that you like? I, I do like Lorenzo Colombo to actually, if what he doesn't name. start, oh, it's an amazing name, 18-year-old Italian striker. When he plays, and he's done a lot of action in friendlies, he scores. He just, he's got that knack for scoring. He's obviously a talented kid. I think they're considering to start him here. I think you should rest Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's got, you know, you, you got to pace with him. There's just a long season. Celtic are very vulnerable right now. They didn't do very well in the old firm, as you mentioned. They don't really have any out-and-out -out superstars, I feel like. Maybe they got a couple people under the wings, but they just don't seem like they're firing on all cylinders. I think Milan, obviously, is the opposite. They're playing very well. And whether Zlatan's in the team or not, his swagger will still continue. And I like Lorenzo Colombo to actually – if he doesn't start, I think he will, but if he doesn't, him scoring any time at plus 180. I think he's going to get on the field. So even if he comes on as a super sub, it, with, with tired legs, let's say, with Celtic, I think he could get in there and nip a goal. That was the best one that I saw. I think Milan will win this game, though. I like that. Lorenzo Colombo. What a Look name. For what, him. A name. What, a name. what a name. What a Beautiful. name. Right. Beautiful. Let's, let's stay with the Italian side. I know that you got your eye on another one uh, in the capital uh, of Italy. What do you have? So, yes, with uh, Roma, Roma, Roma. Roma. You got to love them. Dude, you can get them to win straight up plus 110 against young boys. What? Yes, they're traveling or whatever, but... One ten, they're better than young boys in every possible way. I don't know if Ed and is going to start this one, but that was just the best value I saw, right? I just like, why would I get away from this? Why do I, I don't need to get exotic to find the good value here. I'm just going straight up to Roma to win uh, plus 110. Yes, they didn't, they're still a little uneven, I think, to start the season, but they've looked good the last two matches. I think that that rhythm and the momentum will will carry them through to beat young boys. And let's be honest, if they can't beat young boys, they don't deserve to go on in this competition, right? You got to win the games you should win. And hopefully Roma uh, has it within them to, to make that happen. Yeah, this is going to be the first meeting between these two sides as well. And actually, young boys have failed to reach the uh, knockout stages of Europa League each time they've come. So all points to a Roma victory, maybe. You never know. That's a good one. All right, let, listen, Jimmy, here's one for you. I mean, okay. I know there's so many games. I love, like, Spanish sides in this okay. in this tournament. I, I, I love Villarreal. Granada to let's talk about Real Sociedad for a second. You know, they're actually top of La Liga right now. Me and you have talked a lot about Odegaard, of course, but David Silva being there. Um, there are, you know, some good moments for this side right now. And when you look at the beginning one where they play the Croatian side, Rijeka, like you would think that, you know, this is also going to be their first competitive game against each other. It could be a tricky one because they're uh, playing away. Is there anything interesting there or from any Spanish side? 
Yeah, I would say with Real Sociedad, I think they have this one in the bag. When I looked at the value, you know, I want to bet the over on this because it's only two and a half. It's minus 130. I, I, when I look at William Hill, the people can go bet that one. Those ones seem pretty obvious. If they want to take that, that chance of betting $130 to, to win 100, that's how it works. Uh, that's not really – I'm trying to find the plus stuff for you guys so you can actually feel like you're getting a little bit better value. I didn't see anything here. You know, you can take a flyer on maybe the first score or whatever it is. But there was nothing too exciting. Uh, maybe maybe Alexander Isak, who I really, really think is a terrific player, scoring first at plus 320. He's a hot hand. I think he's going to get some opportunities, of course. But, you know, I don't know. So I, I actually focused a little bit more on Granada. You know, yeah, they, they're, com- they're coming off a big win uh, against Sevilla on the weekend. That's going to give them a ton of confidence. They're taking on PSV Eindhoven in Ooh, Holland, okay. which, is, which makes it a little bit difficult. But you can't sleep on, as you mentioned, Spanish competition. Uh, in these European, big European uh, events. So I like the draw on this one. PSV is good, but they've lost a couple people due to COVID. I think they're going to be a little weakened. They're starting 11, should be pretty solid, but I like the draw on this one, plus 240. If you like Granada to win straight up, if you're like La Liga all the way, this is, this is the, they love this competition, even though it's Sevilla. Well, Granada beats Sevilla, so maybe that gives them some hype. If you're trying to be, you know, connect the dots and make this all work, you can have Granada to win at plus 250. But I think to play it safe and to show some respect to PSV, who are a very good team, I'd say the draw at 240 is very good. Yeah, this game looks really good. And, you know, actually, as good as Granada are, this is the very first season for them in European competition. Uh, they're actually the 27th Spanish side to play in Europa. But as you mentioned, they, they, they beat Sevilla. They, they look very confident. But, you know, PSV is no uh, stranger to facing Spanish opponents. Granada is actually going to be their seventh different opponent. So, you know, something has to give. And I think that maybe PSV at home, uh, you know, might give them that advantage. But who knows in this pandemic time, Jimmy? Like That's what I'm saying, the draw. The draw feels like a nice play there, yeah. plus 240. Why not put 10, 20, 30 bucks on it? You know, if you're feeling great about it, then put 100. But, like, you know, they can win two. I'm always feeling great. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I like that. This is a good one. I like that. The draw for PSV Granada is a good one for me. Anything else in this game? We thought there's 24 matches, people. Yeah. 24 all over. Uh, so, some good touch sites as well. Anything else? Yeah, there's one more that I have written down. Obviously, there are a ton to pick. I, I want to talk about Napoli versus Azed Alkmar. I think that Napoli are going to steamroll them. Uh, Azed is without eight guys. Eight of their, <laughs> like some of the, not all of their best players, but a good portion of their players got covid Oh, they man. are struggling. They're going to be able to piece together a, a, a serviceable starting 11, but it doesn't look good. And now you have a Napoli team that's coming off a 4-1 win, a comprehensive 4-1 win. They were up 4-0 on Atalanta at halftime. So they're going to have a lot of confidence from that. I feel like they're going to be licking their chops, continue to score goals. I really like them to win exactly. This is where it gets a little sketchy, but I like win, win exactly 3-0 plus 550. That's just kind of my flyer of the day with this one. And then I like Victor Osimhen who is, he's already proven to be a difference maker in a short period of time. Uh, I think him scoring the first or last goal for Napoli at plus 140 is some good value too. Uh, him, Irving Lozano on one side, maybe Dries Mertens on the other, depends if they want to rest him or not. Uh, but Irving Lozano obviously is doing some good things and, and seems what he's having a bit of a renaissance right now and scoring a bunch of goals. So he'll get a run out. He's plus 160 to score first or last if you're feeling a little flair from the Mexican international. But yeah, I really like Napoli to really dominate again in this one. There are different values, of course, for the exact score. That was just the one that I thought maybe would happen at plus 550, uh, 3-0. But I, that's something about Gennaro Gattuso, man. He's, he's getting it figured out. Yep, and he, they just beat Atalanta, uh, as, as we mentioned, outsmarted 
Jasperini uh, in that game. And listen, whenever it's Halloween season, Chucky's always going to win. Chucky <laughs> is doing so well. And I think that's a good game. I like that game at all. Anything else? I mean, listen. I got, I got one more for you. Tell me. So, so Lech Poznan is taking on Benfica. And why that's special Benfica. for me in particular is because I played for Lech Poznan. I went on loan there my second year of my career. It was an incredible experience. I was there about three or four years before Robert Lewandowski. And actually, fun fact, for a brief period of time, me and Lewandowski were the only two players in Lech Poznan's history to play in a World Cup. So I have that going for me, which is nice. But that's uh, cool. It's crazy. It's a crazy stat. But they're playing against Benfica. And they, they barely qualified, you know, for the Europa League qualification. I'm very excited for the club. Benfica, though, kind of stumbled through their Champions League qualifying. They didn't look good against Pauk, you know, a team they should have beat. Now, Pauk, in fairness to them, beat Besiktas and Benfica along the way. So they have some players that can do the business. But away from home, Benfica doesn't look so good. I don't think they're where they want to be right now. I think Porto's in complete control of the Portuguese League at the moment. Well, maybe not complete control because they looked a little vulnerable. I said 2-1 yesterday on the podcast. They went with Sporting Club de Portugal is actually 2-2. So, so, yeah, I think that's wide open over in Portugal. I just think that there's – I don't know about the values so, so much, but I'm just really pulling for Lech Poznan to get a result because it would be very cool to see my former club uh, have some success against uh, a club in Benfica who's had success uh, in Europe before. Yeah, I hate to uh, burst your bubble here, but all of, uh, you know, uh, all the stats doesn't point to that. <laughs> I know that. I know. I'm going, oh, with my, oh. I'm going with my heart on this one, Luis. Just let me have it. Hey, listen, man. You and Lewandowski <laughs> share a narrative, so absolutely. All four of Benfica's uh, uh, previous games against Polish sides have, got, have actually came in the Cup Winners' Cup, and they beat Andrew... Uh, with, with those sites. And also the talisman, Pizzi from, from Benfica, does pretty well in European competition, scored each uh, of his last four games, uh, four goals there. And uh, listen, Benfica has Everton Sebolina. I, I love this kid so much. And the fact that, you know, we're going to see him in the Europa League is amazing. But let, let, let's... I don't know. Let's like, like to win straight up a 650 at home. That's a good, that's a, that's a good I mean, Benfica, yes, they're better on paper. They're minus 250. They're, they're the yeah, heavy. But if you're going to gamble, you're going to gamble, right? Let's yeah, go. I mean, I'm, I, I'm going with my heart on this one. They, they, should, they say you should never bet with your heart. Uh, but, but this one I might have to. And, I, and if it hits, then I'm feeling doubly good about it. Exactly. Exactly. The Europa League is a tremendous tournament. So many games, so many matches. We can't wait for you to watch uh, on CBS Sports. Jimmy. Thank you so much, brother. Any, any lasting thoughts? Because this was a quick one. This is just basically getting everybody amped up for the Europa League. No, I just wanted to say that I think this is a harder competition to win than the Champions League. I, agree. I know people are going to be rolling their eyes. Like, uh, what is he talking about? And, and I've had this conversation on Twitter before. We, You and I have talked about it on HQ. I just think that if you have success, it's harder. There's so many teams. You don't know half the players on all these teams anyway. You don't even know where you're traveling if you're a top club. You're like, who are these guys? And then those guys, it's like their, their World Cup final, right? I mean, they're going and like trying to uh, 3,000 miles an hour if you're a big club. So now you have to survive. I think you survive the, the group stages in the Europa League. And then when you get into the knockout rounds, you get all the guys that fell out of the Champions League to come down. You're like, sweet. Now right. I got to take on these guys who are pissed they didn't qualify for the knockout rounds of the Champions League. And so right. I just think it's harder to be the Europa League champion. And that just gives me even more respect for Sevilla and what they've done uh, being the, the winningest team in, in the competition's history. Yeah, I concur. I mean, like you said, like I've said this also, I agree. And the other part to add to this is that these games are played on a Thursday. 
So the return of coming back to the domestic competition, if you have to play on a Sunday morning game or even Saturday, is that much harder. And yes, that extra day is important because that's a day of traveling or getting, you know, your, your fitness back, or if you get a minor pick or an injury, like that's tough. And if you have to travel to Croatia or Poland or Italy or whatever it is, it becomes a much harder uh, journey to do so. And I, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. But Good. so many games. I like so when we agree, Luis. I love when we agree. It's the best. We, we agree like 90% <laughs> yeah. of the time. Because we're big hearted, lovable guys. What are we going to do? You know? Exactly. Exactly. But the Europa League begins on Thursday. And from a betting standard, I think it's a fantastic tournament to watch. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Thank you, Luis. Always a pleasure. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and watching. We will be back to talk about the weekend's action, including El Clásico. So make sure that you follow us on Quego Lasso Pod on Twitter and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you next time.